Just open our hearts. Lord, as Isaiah had a vision of your glory filling the temple, he was undone. You came with the coal, touched his lips. Lord, breathe on the coals in our hearts today. Even as we prepare to receive your word of life and truth today. Open our hearts. Fan into flame. Breathe your holy fire on us today. The fire of God. In Jesus' name. Lord, again we pray that you would fan into flame the burning coal day, this hour, this house, Spirit of God, come. Amen. This morning we are continuing a series of messages, this summer entitled Take Off. Take off and run for your life. In Hebrews chapter 12, we are instructed by the writer of Hebrews, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Over the last several weeks, the Lord has been instructing us about things that we are to take off in order that we might run for our lives. He instructs us to take off pride by putting on the antidote of humility. He instructs us to take off avarice by putting on the antidote of simplicity. He instructs us to take off envy by putting on the antidote of gratitude. And he instructs us to take off anger by putting on the antidote of meekness. I would encourage you, if you have not been able to be with us, we've been traveling, you're just visiting, you can go to our website. Uh, The website is there at the bottom of your front page of your bulletin there and on the back page as well. You can go and uh, click on to get these messages or you can sign up in the back. Uh, for a CD and and PowerPoints from the various messages to help unpack these critical areas of our life as believers. This morning, our focus is on taking off the sloth. 
taking off the sloth. In Hebrews chapter 6, again, the writer of Hebrews writes these words. He says, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, or specifically the word here, a better translation, and we'll get to that in a moment, would be slothful. We do not want you to become slothful, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been We do not want you to become slothful. Let's define sloth. Sloth is not just laziness. In fact, we'll get to this as I flesh this out some more for us. But but a better way of looking at sloth is it is an avoidance of our true identity and destiny as children of God. It's primarily a sin of omission, not commission. I mean, you can commit sloth, but it's really, a, it's really a, 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 an omission. It's not doing that which we have been called to do. And it is deadly because it robs us of our appetite for God and refuses to work at our heavenly task doing the will of God. St. Thomas Aquinas said that sloth is sorrow at our greatest joy. And what he meant by that is it means that our hearts have been deadened to that which is of greatest value to us. I believe when the psalmist said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He was asking for a restoration out of sloth in his soul. Sloth is a cold sin, not so much a hot sin like the sin we looked at last week of anger. This is a cold, deadening sin. And that's why we need that coal that we heard prophetically this morning to be breathed upon afresh. So let me unpack this a little bit more for us this morning. Because I really, it's, Sloth is, is hard for us to get our minds and spirits around, but I want to try to help us this morning get a better understanding of what sloth is and then also how we can take that sloth off in our lives. First of all, what, so let's ask this question. What are the symptoms of sloth? What, is the, what are the contours? What are the parameters? What does it look like? What, if, if I'm to understand what sloth is, what how, how, how can I grasp this? So I have three words that I want to give to you. Okay, So if you're taking notes, there'll be three words, and then there'll be three antidotes that'll be directly connected to those words. The 
The first is dullness. Sloth is a dullness. Now here's what can be confusing about sloth. Sloth sometimes can be confused with what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul. Because in the dark night of the soul that all of us walk through, we can walk through seasons of desert, seasons of wilderness. That is a natural part of our Christian journey is God walks us through that and strips away certain emotions from us in order that we turn our heart and attention more fully to him. But, but the dark night of the soul is the spirit of God at work within us and, and it results in greater depth of relationship with the Lord. On the contrary, sloth is simply a dullness in our spirit. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer says, we have much to say about this, and he's talking about things that he wants to explain to his readers, but he says, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. That's sloth. You're no longer even trying to understand. In 2 Corinthians 3, verses 13 to 16, Paul says, We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull. Say dull. Dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In another place in Corinthians, Paul says that the enemy has a veil which blinds the eyes of the unbeliever. So when you're trying to think about and trying to understand what sloth is, think a moment about a veil, something that's sort of covering. It's like a gauze over our eyes, but it's more specifically not just over our eyes, but the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind. It's sort of, it just becomes this fog in us. So here's a, a way of describing or understanding what sloth is. It, it dulls our minds to the truth of God, dulls our hearts to the passions of God, and dulls our hands from doing the work of God. There is a dullness that is a part of sloth in our mind, in our heart, in our hands. It dulls us. Secondly, distraction. Now this is critically important to understand sloth. Because if we only define sloth as laziness, we'll think of it as inactivity, and that's not exactly what sloth is. Jesus tells this parable. He says, The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. 
He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. I dare you to ask 10 people, how are things going? And I would venture to guess that eight of the uh, 10 answers you'll get are really busy. We live in a really busy time in history. Here in America, we're always, I mean, that's the, you know, if you're not busy, you feel bad. If you don't say, I'm busy, what's, what's going on? But here's the critical understanding about sloth that you need to understand that's different and distinct from laziness. You see, sloth is not the absence of activity. It is the focus on the wrong activity. It is seeking to find our identity, meaning, and purpose outside of God. Go up to a workaholic and say, you're slothful. And she'll say, what? Who are you talking about slothful? I work all the time. Where are you finding your identity? Where are you finding your meaning? Where are you finding your purpose? To the young person who spends eight hours a day on a screen, not productively, but doing the stuff. That's sloth. Because you or I who would be doing that activity, we're doing it desperately hoping. Have you ever, you know, back of the bus for a second, have you ever, how many people say, I'm bored? We're like the bored generation. I mean, there's a thousand channels on TV. There's nothing to watch. There's eight million activities and things to do, but it's all boring. It's because we're pursuing that which doesn't bring true life. There's this God-sized hole in us and I don't care how much activity you stuff into that hole, you are not going to fill it up. You will not find your true identity and meaning until you find it in God. Here's one of the ways sloth creeps into my life. When I've got too much going on 
and I need to pause, and I need to spend some time really dialing back my activity level and just waiting on the Lord or just spending some time of unstructured time. The more intense things are, the more stuff gets clean in my house. Because that's when it's time to tackle the junk drawers. And it's time to, because I just got to get something under my thumb. I confess to you that's life. Not that those don't ever need to get cleaned. But they don't need to be cleaned when I'm already stretched at the end of myself and I know that I actually need to be sitting and listening to God. None of you, you're all more spiritual than I, so none of you have those kinds of things that you do. Okay? I'm just telling you about stuff that I do. Understand? Okay. Third, indifference. Now, again, just like in the first, remember, we, what was the first thing? What was the first symptom? Dullness. And dullness is not the same as the dark night of the soul. The second is what? Distraction. And it's not the same as laziness. Sloth is not laziness. Indifference is... Indifference, sloth is also not the same as depression. There can be chemical and and there's biological and there's psychological and there's all kinds of different reasons that we can experience depression at various points in our lives. I've walked through that. As a young adult, I walked through intense seasons of depression. So I understand and know the dynamics of depression. So what I'm not talking about this morning is depression. Okay, Though though sometimes they can look similar to one another, and if we're not careful, we'll misdiagnose our soul or our spirit of what's going on. But But I do want to bring to our attention this morning that indifference, just as sort of hatred is the the bottom level of anger, where anger will go when it goes to its further furthest point, sloth, when brought to its furthest point, becomes indifference. Revelation 3 gives us the outlines of this. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, a lot of times when this is preached, I I must just say, I I think it's often mispreached. Because we think of hot and cold, that that God is saying, I'd rather that you were with me or against me. Either you're hot for me or you're cold. But that's that's not what it means. Because the difference is not between hot and cold. Because both hot and cold are useful. 
Cold water is useful because it brings refreshing. Hot water is useful because it brings cleansing and is palliative. So hot and cold are both actually good. When he's saying, I wish you were either hot or cold, he's saying, I wish you were useful. I wish you were either you know, bringing cleansing or healing or doing something, but I wish that you were useful this way. But instead, you're lukewarm. So the difference is not between hot and cold. It's between hot and cold or lukewarm. Because if you're hot, I can use you. If you're cold, you can be refreshing. Cup of water to someone, I can use you. But when you're lukewarm, when you're indifferent... See, sloth ultimately leads to indifference towards the great commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Sloth brings us to indifference towards that great commandment. So, how do we take off sloth? I'm so glad you asked. I don't have a three-point plan here. What I want to give you is some clues towards scriptural ways and and ways that God, I think, is inviting us. And I know he's inviting me, so I want to invite you with me. Ways that I think God would help us take off sloth. First of all, and the clue is found if you go back to the Hebrews 6 passage, when he says, I wish you to imitate, he says, I wish that um, my hope for you may be fully... We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience or perseverance inherit what has been promised. So the antidote to dullness, the inverse of dullness, is a persevering faith. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. They didn't always see the full promise realized in their lives, but they had the end in mind and they were pressing towards it in persevering faith. The way to get through the veil is to keep pressing through it. In 2 Corinthians 3, and this is, here's the key. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, when you are dull in your spirit, in your heart, in your hands, when there's a dullness around you, here's the simple antidote. Here is the one-step thing to do. Turn to the Lord. Because whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is His Spirit. Is the Spirit. By faith, the veil that dulls our mind, heart, and hands is removed through persevering in faith we experience transformation. You're not there yet. Neither am I. We're not there yet. But we can continue to turn to the Lord and through perseverance, transformation genuinely begins to happen and unfold in our lives. It really does. 
Oh, I wish I had, you know, oh, pastor, could we, could we just wave the magic lobster over our heads and take the dullness away? I mean, we just, we really want it to be, and, and honestly, it's just keep showing up and humbling yourself before the Lord and keep on going. This is a marathon and not a sprint. So persevere. The antidote to distraction is singleness of focus. The psalmist put it this way, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. One thing I ask, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Then they will be my people and I will be their God, Jeremiah says, and I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. Listen to this. The clearer our vision of God becomes, the more we understand the answers to life's greatest questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? You're not going to find that on the thousand channels on TV. You're not going to find that at work. You're not going to find that even in your spouse and your family. You're not going to find that in all of the other activity that you're stuffing into your lives. Now, not that all of those activities are always wrong. However, if they become the replacement within you, the thing that you are seeking to find your identity, then they have become an idol, and the idols must fall. The idols must fall. In order that the living God may be lifted up in our hearts, We do so much to anesthetize ourselves. You know, all of the addictions, they're just trying to find a fix. They're trying to find some relief, some temporary relief, but all they do is end up multiplying the issues in our lives. If you're struggling with pornography, or if you're struggling with, with uh, alcohol, or drugs, or or shopping, or food, or whatever it is that you're trying, again, to stuff into that hole in your life, it's not going to fill it. It's just not. And God says, I've got something better. I've got true life. I've got life to the full to give to you. This other, it's not going to do it. The distractions, you can be so busy. You can be, you can be addicted to church work. You can find, man, it's a real danger. Professional ministry, it's dangerous because you end up trying to find your identity in the stuff you're doing for God. Look at all I'm doing. But like we heard in the testimony this morning, Pamela, thank you so much. That was a bright testimony. You're not going to find it just watching another blogger doing it going to gut it down and look at all I'm doing for God and I'm building his kingdom and newsflash he builds his kingdom he's been doing it a long time he loves to have your help but sometimes he says sit down boy sit down girl chill 
right? And preaching to me as well as you. Okay. What's the antidote to indifference? It's passionate hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep the coal burning. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. Who seeks finds. Who knocks discovers the doors opening into his presence, his purposes, and his promises. So what it behooves us to do, if you are feeling indifferent towards God, I have a singular, simple encouragement for you to do. Would you please simply ask? Would you seek? Would you knock? Is God's faithful? You see, when people are like vitriolically coming at you opposed to God, those folks don't scare me near as much as the people who simply don't care. Because the one who seems vitriolically opposed, the one who's just passionate, the one, or even the one who's seeking and looking all over in all kinds of places, I'm like, God, they're looking. God can work with that. I don't think we have to be, you know, the people who are of other world religions who are truly seeking after God, I believe that God will reveal himself. He's doing it all over the world. The people who are genuinely seeking, he's the one who seeks. Finds. The difference is between those who seek and those who don't. Those who ask, it'll be given. Those who knock, the door will be open. And so even for us today, if you are struggling with sloth in your life, if there's indifference, I would simply ask you to ask God to begin to open. Revelation 3, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. For those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm going to come in and eat with that person and they with me. So as the worship team comes up, here is my invitation to us as a congregation this morning and to my own heart with yours. Let us return to the Lord and embrace his loving rebuke. Repent of our sloth and receive the fullness of life that he desires to pour into us and to pour out through us. People, it's time. Rend not your garments. Rend your hearts. 
and open, open your heart to receive today. I believe this is a timely word for this moment in our life together. I'm not calling you to simply do more. Well, I should be doing more. Well, we all know that. We all should be doing more. Or should we? What we should be doing, what we need to be doing, is to begin to seek his face and let him begin to break open your heart like he did with Stephen Ugin, with his new neighborhood. And God just speaking, you know, all the kids running around and suddenly going, aha. Yeah, it happens to missionaries and pastors too. Sometimes it takes, you know, we're not always right there right now. So what's God, where is God at work? What is he doing? What is he inviting you into? I know he's inviting us into closer to engage with him. I know he's calling us to engage with him. And once we start engaging with him, we're going to engage with his heart and his hands and we're going to, you know, his will. You know, Jesus said, I've come to do, you know, the will, my, my, my whole purpose, my bread, my life is doing the will of the Father. So he's going to lead us and direct us in that. I'm confident of that. Oh. A whole bunch of years ago, I had a dream, and in my dream, the Lord gave me a song. And we've sung it here over the years, but it's been a long time since we've sung it. It's the way the Lord gives me songs. Is he does them, they're literally songs in the night when I'm dreaming, and I wake up, and there they are. Go ahead and put up the words. It says, a hungry heart will not be broken, it will not be denied, it will not be silent. Oh, Lord, give us a hungry heart. So if you want to join me in the fellowship of the hungry hearts, or as it says in the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says, we're not our hearts burning within us. The fellowship of the burning hearts today. Can we stand to our feet? And if you would like to just come, I don't know, sometimes just taking a step and moving your physical body can help engage your soul. No magic about the altar, but there is a beauty of just taking that first step. So if you'd like to take that step and take off, if there's been dullness, distractions, indifference, today you want to put on persevering faith. You want to get a, 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 a focus again. If you want that passionate hunger, join me. Come on, as we sing. Just open our hearts, open our hands. Jesus, today we're asking you to break one of the besetting sins upon your church, one of the besetting sins upon our hearts. And Jesus, only you can do this breaking. We're not going to be able to grit our teeth, Lord, and 
somehow break off of this. Jesus, we need you to come as we sang much earlier in the service from the inside out to break the chains, oh God, that hold us. The transformation might come. Lord, activate within us. Activate within us. Lord God, your spirit, your life, and break off every yoke and chain that holds us today as your people. Break off the chains over Bethel Christian Fellowship. Break off any yoke of sloth today in the name of Jesus. We want to follow you and serve you with passion and purpose every day of our lives, God. Lord, come and do your work in us. Lord, we confess before you. I stand before you and confess our sin. Confess my sin, God. That I have been dull and distracted and indifferent. But Jesus, today, grant us that persevering faith. Give us that focus, Lord. And work in us passionate hunger for you. now with open hands I pray that you would be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father and the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ his Son and the inexhaustible strength and power and comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours sent to make disciples of all nations Until we gather again in this house or our our eternal home, I pray that his goodness and love will chase you down each and every day for his glory.